Pat Buddy, I'm excited to chat with Danny and we're going to be talking about customer experience at Jungle Scout, particularly uh, all the stuff they've worked on for the customer onboarding here for the product Red podcast. How's it going, Danny? How are things with you this morning or afternoon? It's going, yeah, it's going great today. I'm really excited to be here and talk to you about the stuff we've been working on. That's great. Uh, before we jump in, yeah, you have so much to to talk about. But you know, before we get started, let's let's talk about Jungle Scout and what that is for our listeners who don't know what that is and what your role is there. Sure. Um, if you've never heard of Jungle Scout before, right now we are the leading software, an all-in-one platform for selling on Amazon. And at its core, it's really about providing data and powerful insights to everything from entrepreneurs and brands that want to grow and optimize their businesses on Amazon. And your role there? So currently, I'm the director of customer experience at Jungle Scout. So we actually sit within the product team, which is somewhat unique. Um, But it really allows us to do a lot of beneficial things and be closer to uh, Jungle Scout as a development team itself. That's great. We're going to jump in in customer experience. But I read a case study from Pendo, I believe, where... You know, Jungle Scout was growing and they were expanding their product and you faced some challenges. Can you talk a little bit about those challenges that your your team faced as, you know, new users logging in for the first time? What were some of those challenges? Yeah, I mean, Jungle Scout has grown tremendously over the past five years. And we started as a, as a very simple product. But as our users grew and changed, you know, so was the product. It, it was evolving. They were evolving at the same time. So initially, we were just serving entrepreneurs. It was a pretty straightforward use case. Uh, The initial version of the software was also just a Chrome extension. So in terms of complexity, you know, it really wasn't that complex. So people's time to value was low. Uh, They were getting a lot out of the product. But as their needs started to grow, we were developing new products. And so we were having a hard time just keeping up and understanding, you know, what do they need? How can we serve them the best? Um, the other thing that we started seeing is it wasn't just entrepreneurs anymore mm. that were using the software. It was everything from brands and agencies and venture capitalists. So the kinds of users was also diversifying quite a bit. But what we were really trying to do when I first started was really try to understand what was that aha moment mm. for each of those different users. And over that time, we learned a lot about how we could best serve them, Uh, and get them to that place as quickly as possible. For some, that was educating them about the tools or the marketplace. Uh, For others, it was, you know, how can we sync their accounts so they can see their data and understand the value of that. For others, it was really, how could we grow and optimize their business in a meaningful way? So it's a lot of bases to cover, and it was was pretty complex. Well, (laughs) let's jump in. I mean, first of all, it's a great problem to have when you have too many people signing up that you don't know who they are anymore, right? (laughs) But first question that comes into mind is how did you figure out the aha moment for each of the different types of segments who were signing up? Yeah, I mean, really, it was a a ton of different kinds of research. You know, one of the things that helped us a lot um, was Pendo. Mm. You know, right when I started at Jungle Scout, we were just bringing on Pendo. And so we, we immediately got just a flood of information about, hey, here's everything that people are doing all the time everywhere. But it was a little bit of information overload, right? So, so we had to start dialing it back and saying, you know, what are the most important things at an early stage for each one of these different segments? And so we took a systematic approach of early stage people seem to submit a lot of tickets. So we would pour through the ticket data and look for, we were also looking at 
sentiment information. So really analyzing the NPS and understanding where the friction points and the pain points were there. We were also able to glean a lot from the people's login activity and the past they were looking in the product, what they were doing, or maybe more importantly, what they weren't doing. And I think like for us, our internal aha moment to help figure out what that was, was we started connecting some of the data that people were doing the most with what had the highest levels of retention and the lowest levels of churn. Mm. And and so that gave us at least a a North Star that we could start driving towards. And through additional user research and refinement, we really started to figure out exactly what those issues were. And sometimes that was feeding things back to product. Uh, Other times it was introducing self-service in different areas of the tool. For other people, that was just onboarding and training. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about that. The first time experience, you mentioned that a little bit already, but you know, with so many different types of, you, like you said, you talked about startups, you talked about entrepreneurs. How did you kind of customize that experience for the different types of personas that were logging in for the first time? Totally. Once we understood the underlying segments and these, these different user personas, we were able to craft an experience that when you logged in, you were sort of self-segmenting yourself. So you were identifying you know, what stage you were at, if you were already selling on Amazon, uh, potentially if you were you know, an experienced person like a brand or an agency that was using it. And what this allowed us to do was present and capture the information that was most relevant to you, but also guided you down the path of least resistance and the path of highest value. We also right away realized that because you know the Amazon ecosystem, as well as just sometimes for, for the early stage people who are just getting started, like there's a sufficient amount of complexity here. Mm. Um, and so just dropping someone into the product and not really being there to, to help them wasn't ideal. So we started hosting daily onboarding calls mm. that people can register right after that initial setup so that they can get plugged in with a call sometimes even that same day uh, with a live instructor to walk them through the tools, to answer their questions, and to put them on the path to success. And, and I think that was something that we really saw uh, accelerate that, that time to value and also increase product adoption. That's fascinating. Is the live that live instruction? Is it a, a group call, like more like a webinar, or is it more one on one? So it's interesting. We've experimented <laughs> with pretty much everything under the sun. There was a lot of hypotheses. I mean, that's what a lot of this is, right? We we make bets on different things, and and we never assume that we're right. You know, there's so many different. You know, if you go back to learning theory, there's just so many different styles of learning. Yeah. But for this, we we did try one on one calls. We did try you know large group calls. Uh, we tried smaller calls that were more segmented. And I think we found that the sweet spot was somewhere in the middle. Mm. So having these calls where pretty much anybody could attend. And after that, we asked some questions during those calls themselves that would help us further guide them to other relevant content, whether that was you know stuff we'd already produced right. or webinars or other things that we're doing. So we really try to keep them in the fold and then keep guiding them down the path with, with additional content services. No, that's great. And so how big are those those calls? Like maybe 20, 30 folks attending or is it smaller? Yeah. <laughs> Initially, they were really popular. So we had sometimes as much as 100 oh, people, man. <laughs> um, which, is, which was like probably too many, right? But I think we found that the sweet spot is somewhere in that 20 to 35 range. Like the people on the call really get a lot out of it. There's often so many questions that, you know, even at the end of the call, we're, 
we're, we're still like, okay, we'll, we'll go another five minutes or another 10 minutes. But it shows you like how interested people are in this. Like they're really hungry for content. They really see the value in the software. And so that gives you like a lot of, you know, hope that they're going to stick around beyond that too. <laughs> That 100 people to sign up for something like that is phenomenal. I'm curious how that was messaged or how that was communicated uh, to get that many people to sign up because I, I know quite a other companies who like just sign up for this and they have one person sign up for it. Yeah, we like I said, we experimented with some different ways of doing it. We, we tried inviting through emails, which you know how emails are today. I mean, yeah. if, you have a, if you have any sort of email box, it's just flooded constantly with webinars and content. But what we found worked the best was having a pendo pop up, like I said, right. right after that initial setup flow that you go through that just offers you like, hey, you know, our most successful customers go through this onboarding. You know, we tried different kinds of messaging as well, but it really resonated. And I would say for the first two months, like the classes were just packed full of people. We, we'd also just decided, well, we'll have it a few times a week, but it was so, so much interest. We were having it every day. Um, and even started spreading it across different time zones globally um, because we found that you know we were doing something in the morning. We had people from Australia, from China, from Europe. So it was great that the response was so high, but then we had to think like, how do we scale this and how do we make right. it yeah, and effective? Right, that totally makes sense. And is everybody who signs up, they are self-segmented. Do they see the same, that onboarding call or do they each get different calls, which adds more complexity to the whole system? Yeah. We tried that early on. So we, we had some calls that were more geared towards early stage people. And then we tried some that were more geared just to the advanced people. And what we found is when we had the advanced calls, those people still were showing up for the beginners because <laughs> they didn't want to miss anything, right? So it helped us understand that there's a, a very strong appetite for education about right. our products, about the space, about the different use cases that we can solve. But the be- probably the best thing about these calls that we have is just the volume of questions has helped us not only from a product side to develop more things that, that people are asking about or that they want to know or surfacing those more regularly. But on the other side, it's really just been a treasure trove for content, whether it's you know blog posts, right. webinars, or anything else that we want to do. I mean, people are very, very straightforward about, hey, we, we want to learn more about this. Or we need to know how this works. So that's really been a, another way to help refine what we've been doing over time. I'm really jumping on this because it's fascinating. <laughs> I'm curious about the structure of it. Is it you know, there's some slides or you do a demo and then Q&A. What does the structure of these calls look like? Yeah, so we start off with a little bit of an introduction, like a high level. The people that deliver these calls are, are for the most part, experts in Amazon. They're all Amazon sellers. They've got their own businesses. They've been successful. So it's, you're not just talking to someone who is a trainer. Been, yeah. I mean, they are the legitimate you know, subject matter expert here. So, so they talk a little bit about their own experience. Mm-hmm. They, they set the expectations for the call, which is typically a, a tour through the product, but also highlighting the different value props as we're going through it. So what this does is, you know, a lot of people might have bought the product for just one thing, like I want to do product research, or I want to analyze my sales, or I want to manage my inventory. But then they realize like, wow, there's all these other things that I didn't even know that Jungle Scout could do, that now I'm interested and want to learn more about that. So we take them through the whole product. And if there are a lot of questions in one part, because 
Mm. The trainer that's leading this is a subject matter expert. They can really dig down if a lot of people are interested or are asking more questions about it. So that that really facilitates a more fluid kind yeah. of onboarding that's not so fixed. Although we do just kind of have a map, and that's you know the whole. Mm. Process. We have some polls though early on oh, in the onboarding, good. and that helps us know like who's the audience, mm. what do they really care about, and that drives kind of the map for the rest of that training. Right. That's really fascinating. Those su- subject matter experts. I think sometimes those calls become just, like you said, like a trainer, like an employee. But you really have people who are growing their store and they're growing their, their stuff with that. Are those people employees, or they're like you've outsourced that to, you know, you you actually reach out to influencers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in, in past jobs, those would have been probably contractors, but I've been really, really lucky. I mean, my customer experience team is literally built up of our target customers. Nice. So we have people that we're actually building the software for. You know, they're working hand in hand with the customers. They're giving direct feedback to product, to marketing, to the other parts of our company. And so it's been a, a real wealth of information for them to be able to experience that. But also as they're growing throughout this process, right. You know, they're sharing their own friction points and hardships or, you know, right now it's a, Amazon's booming. So it's a great time, (laughs) but you learn about things that you wouldn't, if you didn't have those people kind of inside the fold. That's great. I want to talk a little bit more about other stuff that you've, like you worked on for improving that personal experience. Are there any other things other than the cost that you really like looked and experimented with to, to improve? Yeah, I mean, Pendo, you know, as you know, has a variety of different facilities in it to facilitate whether it's onboarding or training or, you know, uh, product feature announcements. And I think we tried all of them at different levels. And we were really, really fortunate early on to get uh, some people who had already been using the software for a few years to kind of give us some of their own insights on what worked and what didn't. And to be honest, like that was a true godsend because it saved us from making a ton of mistakes. And I would encourage, like, if you're using any of these kinds of software, you know, there's a ton of them out there, but having some of those lessons learned from people that have already done it just saved us tons of time. Um, but when it comes, you know, where the rubber meets the road is really, we tried a lot of, you know, guided onboarding, mm. like a lot of walkthroughs, like click here, now click right. here. I think what we realized is that sometimes that's overkill. It you is. know, <laughs> you don't need to walk everybody through everything especially if you're pushing that as opposed to making it self-service, right? So what we did is initially we were pushing a lot of that information like, hey, you're on this interface for the first time, like go through a guided walkthrough and learn how to use it. A lot of people didn't like that. You know, they were just like, get out of my way, let me play around with it. If I need help, I'll come back. And so what we learned from that is we found ways to make it more passive to where if someone did want a, a step-by-step walkthrough, they could opt into that right. in the setup wizards or in another part of the tool. We also varied it up. Like, you know, sometimes you'll have embedded tutorial videos or other things like that. We made it to where that wasn't automatically popping up or it's mm. something you could see clearly on the page. Like, you want to learn more, you can do that. And we found that we were way more successful when we were less pushy about some of that stuff. <laughs> and, and there's a delicate balance there between kind of, hey, I know the way to do this. This is how you should work versus people kind of like to figure stuff out. I mean, I, I try to take myself into account and what do I like when I use a software? I mean, in reality, if I can't get traction in the first one or two sessions with it, 
I'm probably not coming back. Like I am going to turn. I am not going to be a retained customer. And so a lot of it is, you know, can you walk a mile in their shoes? Can you put yourself into that, that experience yourself? And, you know, what do you really want out of mm. it? <laughs> That's really fast. You're totally right. Like a lot of apps are too often too pushy, right? Like they're they get in your face and they show many, too many pop-ups. What were some of the metrics that you were looking at to realize that? Like, what were some of the tools that you talked about Pendo, but you know, what was other metrics that you were looking at to, to realize that insight? Yeah, I mean, I think for some of the metrics that we kind of had at our core, some of it was, you know, how long does it actually take someone to get onboarded? Mm. And early on, like before we were doing the calls or before we had self-service content, that was pretty long. I mean, it could potentially even be weeks. And you would see people just dropping off. You know, the drop-off rate was fairly high. Um, You know, someone would watch a video and they get really excited about Jungle Scout and they get into it and like, man, this is this is way harder or I don't know where to start. And so we saw that with that guidance, I mean, we were seeing upwards of 40% increase in, you know, time to, to first value, faster onboarding completion. The NPS improved dramatically during that time too, because people were, were seeing the value faster. And we tried to ask them in that first 14 days, you know, the first NPS, because you can get a refund in the first 14 days with our product. Right. Right? Um, so it's, they really have up till that very last second and even sometimes a day or two after to just say like, hey, I wasn't using this or I didn't find the value. Can I have my money back? And so that really puts the onus on you to time box that and say, can I get them there here or can I give them enough value to at least get them beyond those first 14 days? And those were some of the initial metrics we were looking at. You know, of course, we were always looking at things like turn rates as well. Feature adoption, you know, we were spending and, and making a lot of bets on building new products and putting new things out, but were people actually using them, mm. right? And sometimes it was, you know, did we make a bad bet? Was it a miss in the market? Or other times it was more about like, were we not surfacing enough? Were we not educating people about it? Were we not, you know, ringing the bell that we had released <laughs> a new product? And we did see, you know, even just using Pendo for something as simple as, hey, we released a new product, you know, click here to check it out with a little mini value prop. You know, we were able to increase just initial adoption rates of some of those products by 25%. Wow. So a lot of times, especially as a product is, is growing and expanding, you have to take that information to people, especially your existing users. You know, many of them have hit that aha moment already. So, you know, it's how do you continue to bring value beyond that first, yeah. you know, value proposition and then keep growing their ability to see that value over the long term. That totally agree with that. There was something there that you said about, you know, when somebody completes their onboarding, when does somebody complete onboarding for Jungle Scott? Is it when they realize that aha moment or is it a little bit a step further than that? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on how you measure it, right? Like if I was talking about a brand new entrepreneur, I mean, their real time to value in terms of reaching their goal could be months out, right? So it's it's a lot of that was how do we keep someone like that engaged or how do we provide them with all of the vast amount of resources that they could need? And that's really where our Jungle Scout Academy came in. You know, we developed a ton of educational content that literally walks you through step-by-step like, everything you would need to do to get there. But that is, you know, again, more for those early stage users. For late stage users, some of them could get time to value within the first, you know, few days sometimes, or even the first few hours of just, hey, I synced my Amazon account. 
I'm seeing my sales data now. I can manage my inventory. I see if I'm making or losing money. And then right there, you know, instantly they're, they're sold. They see exactly what they paid their money for. And so it's a little bit different based on the segments, but I think it's helped us understand, you know, what are the obstacles to overcome along the way and, and how can we bridge some of those gaps? I want to talk a little bit about that obstacles because I read on Pendo that, you know, your team translated the whole onboarding experience for the Chinese market. Like that's really fascinating. What was that moment that your team realized that, you know, we, ne- we needed to do this and it doesn't matter how much effort it is, we need to do this. Yeah, I mean, we we saw that the Chinese market was growing really, really fast. You know, it was something that we were seeing just tangentially in our numbers. You know, we were seeing more and more Chinese users signing up. And I think, you know, when it clicked for us was, you know, when we saw the numbers grow beyond the European market, which has a huge Amazon market there already. We also did some of our own research and we found that over 50% of Amazon sellers in the U.S. are Chinese. Hmm. So, you know, it told us once we started, you know, slicing and dicing the numbers and looking at where our users were coming from and the people with the highest time on site and the highest engagement rate were Chinese and the experiences were all still in English, right? right. And so we decided to kind of double down. We, we opened an office in China. Wow. We got a Chinese team. We started accepting Chinese forms of payments. Um, we started localizing the help in Chinese. Like you said, we localized the onboarding experiences that we had in Pendo and in other parts of the product. And even our educational assets, we started uh, localizing and, and having onboarding calls and doing other things. Even something that the U.S. market wasn't quite ready for, which was live chat in the app. Interesting. And that's just something they're used to. The customer experience for a Chinese user is very, very different. And for someone like me... I, just to be honest, like I didn't have a lot of experience. So I really had to leverage our Chinese team members. I had to talk to them. I had to understand, you know, they were talking to customers too. And that really served as a, as a good kind of benchmark of this is what our competitors are doing, or these are what other Chinese software companies Mm. are doing. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel, but let's innovate on top of that. Like let's learn from what they're doing right or what's actually Mm. working and find a way to make that work for Jungle Scout. And initially it was unknown, right? We were, we were making a pretty huge bet on the resources themselves. But, you know, our China growth has just exploded wow. over the last year. You know, we've seen a ton of traction there. And so we've seen, you know, the dividends now paying off from that initial investment. And, and we continue to grow and expand our resources in that team and our onboarding as well. Can you talk a little bit about those results, like numbers-wise, like, you know, how much has grown since you translated this? Like, I'm guessing it's probably huge because, you know, reading something in your own language and accepting payment, uh, localized payment, does make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't even imagine. I mean, you asked me a year ago what Alipay was or, you know, what WeChat was or something. I, I didn't know what that was. But, you know, now it's just part and parcel of the kinds of things that we talk about. You know, we've seen literally a doubling in growth in the size of, of the market. You know, what we have seen, though, is like with more growth, you know, China had the lowest churn rates. China had the highest retention rates, the highest mm. time on site. But as we expanded there, you know, that became more challenging to keep those numbers. You know, churn started to go up when you double the amount of users. You know, you've got people now with broader use cases, with different needs, who may be more experienced than others. So just like with 
Jungle Scout, when it started to grow, you know, as the Chinese market started to grow and diversify, we now have more people that have mm. different problems or different challenges that we have to address. Um, so it's been a real learning experience. And I think, you know, just in the past six months, I've probably learned more about China and what they think is important than I've, I've ever known in my life. But it's really become a, a crucial part of the business. And I think, you know, as we continue to expand globally, we want to take what we've learned in China and try to apply that to other new marketplaces mm. that we're expanding into. And especially in Europe, like we did a lot of the same things in Europe, but we didn't see the same results. Um, and so what that tells me is, you know, we still saw growth in Europe, but we weren't providing still the same level of onboarding or they need something that's still a little bit different mm. than, than what we're providing. So that's something we're working on right now and, and, and continuing to refine on that. How did you tweak the onboarding for China? I mean, I'm curious if the onboarding calls still work there or if it didn't because that's not something that the Chinese market does or do other tools there. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would say uh, when we were having the U.S. only onboarding calls, we were seeing so many Chinese people coming. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Even if that was like the middle of the night, people were showing up. So that told us the demand was there. And then, you know, obviously having a local language, yeah. you know, language Chinese speaker teaching it uh, is just so much better. Yeah. So not only did we start having them over there, but they even started having like in-person trainings where people would, come, people would come down to our office and they would take pictures. And, you know, they just like, you know, some of the, the users that we have here in the U.S., they were very, very into Jungle Scout. They were really excited about yeah. the opportunity and about the value that they were getting from it. So they were even able to connect on levels that, that we haven't even kind of gone as far here uh, because the scale is so much larger. But I think that that just shows another one of the differences. Like the Chinese want that personal mm. touch and that personal touch even more. Interesting. And so, you know, I, I don't say like that the U.S. doesn't, but I think it's really about scalability and how do you do that and still have a high quality of what you're doing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like you don't like talking to a chat bot, right? You want to talk to a live person. Yeah. And then even beyond that, like, you don't just want to talk to a live person. You want to talk to someone that knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's matching that like subject matter expertise and relevance to the right person at the right time. And, and that's kind of a, a difficult balance to strike. Mm. That's so good. That's that's really fascinating that they came to the office to, to do live training. I'm just about to wrap up. One of the questions I want to ask is if you had one piece of advice to any product-led companies who are transitioning, how they can improve their customer experience or their onboarding, what would be that advice? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's obviously so much, but you know, don't stop talking to your customers. Mm. I think people start off very strong with their customer game and really trying to understand and empathize. But I mean, constantly be dog fooding, you know, mm -hmm. use your own products, try to live out the use cases that you're selling externally. Listen to the pain points. Like NPS is a great kind of, you know, stream of consciousness of what's going on with your customers. And while you shouldn't take every single thing to heart, you really start to understand like larger patterns and, and things like that. The other thing is don't underscore the value of really seeing what people are doing in your product. And you know, we use full story uh, quite a bit. And so being able to understand and watch how people use your product without you kind of being there to interfere or guide 
it tells you a lot about how they think about the product or how they see it. So use all of the tools that are available to you, but you know, don't get too hung up in the data because I think that that's one of those areas that you can just get analysis paralysis, get lost here, stay customer focused and keep being product led. So good. And just final question, you know, where can people find out more about your work? And if people are interested about Jungle Scout, where can people find out about Jungle Scout? Sure. I mean, I'm definitely very active in the Pendo community. I'm also, you know, one of the leads of the product-led growth uh, Austin group. So if if you're around for any of those, you can definitely hit me up there. Of course, you know, visit junglescout.com to check out our software. And if you have any questions or want to reach out to me directly, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Well, thanks, Danny. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.